Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me again this week is... Who am I this week? Let's see. I think this week I'll be the happily retired lieutenant, not the grumpy building training lieutenant. Although oh. I'm wearing both hats, I think. I was gonna, we get the the happy lieutenant today. I like that. All right. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, I hope everyone had a, a good Thanksgiving holiday. We'll get right to our stories, though. First story, we're going to start in New York City. Um, the NYPD is... Uh, using their drones in an interesting way. They're using them to combat subway surfing, which uh, is people getting on top of trains and riding the the moving uh, uh, cars. Um, what they're what they're really trying to to target are teen and teens and and, and young people doing this. Um, what I found really interesting about this was outside of just using uh, the drones and, and capturing this very scary video. Um, is what they do afterwards is they're not necessarily arresting the teens, but they're writing up reports and then showing the video to the parents and, as well as um, the the kids' uh, teachers um, just to make the adults in their lives aware of what's going on, but at the same time, not necessarily putting them into the system. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I don't know if anybody listening to this will remember the movie called Teen Wolf. Um <laughs> starring Michael J. Fox, and he got up on top of his buddy's van, and there was Surfing USA by the Beach Boys playing in the background while he's a werewolf riding the top of this van, and it's a really cool I, – I thought, that's super neat. Um, you know, reality is that they've had people killed doing this, and some of these teenagers have died. Um, when, when you're falling off a moving train or when the moving train's coming up on a tunnel or all of the different things that can happen that can be bad, um, it's a really unique – an interesting use of the drone. I'm glad to see them doing it. I'm hoping some of these teens realize they're not invincible. You know, they're not immortal. People have died doing this. It might not be the best idea in the world. Uh, but honestly, when I was a teenager, if, if somebody had dared me, I'd have probably been dumb enough to go, well, okay, you first. And, and then we'd have both been stupid up on top of the subway trains. Right. Um, it's, it, this, it's an interesting problem to have. It's, it's a, a, a challenge for law enforcement um, and drones are a really unique uh, and powerful response. I like what they're doing with it. Yeah, it. it I think you you get to see the the. In this case, the drones are able to get the the video, and you're able to get people on the ground um quickly as as opposed to other ways of spotting um uh, these these subway surfers and and trying to then apprehend them or, or, or take them into custody. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I'll be curious too. Um, I'm not sure how um, much of a problem this is in, in other cities, like such as where I live in Chicago or even out on the West coast that if other departments um, might, uh, might take up uh, this tactic. I don't know. Honestly, so, so like I, I live in Maryland and, and we have the Washington metropolitan subway system, right? The Metro system. And I'm trying to think, you couldn't do this underground um and and the the number of places where it's above ground i can't recall it ever being a challenge here um 
it, yeah, like you say, it'd be interesting to see if anybody else, if this is just unique to New York or yeah. if this is something going on other places. Moving on to our next story, we'll go to Houston, um, where a police chase and uh, a deadly result of it uh, has had some of police police officials calling for harsher penalties um, for pursuits. Um, a, uh, a high speed uh, police chase, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, left a 19 year old motorcyclist dead um, when the, the suspect uh, had crashed into him during the chase. Um, and this has gotten um, at least one police official wanting to see um, stricter laws when it comes to uh, people fleeing uh, law enforcement, uh, especially in these these high speed chases. Um, Executive Assistant Chief uh, Larry Satterwhite uh, with the Houston Police Department had said, um, let's see, where is it? Uh, we do need stronger laws. When it comes to fleeing from the police, we need our legislator, legislators and elected officials to revisit this and raise the penalties for this because it is so dangerous. It is no different than firing a gun into a crowd or anything else. You know, it's um, we we, we everything happens on a frequency wave, right? So we went from law enforcement having uh, very few, uh, and it, this it sounds like a bad way to say it, very few restrictions. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, and, and society realized we need some controls, and we have laws put in place, and general orders, and uh, special operating procedures, standard operating procedures, and so on and so forth. And, and and we really get to the point where five years ago, 10 years ago, in the last decade, we've seen law enforcement agencies putting in no pursuit policies. You know, We're not going to chase anybody right. at all. And then all that happens is it empowers the, the criminal. So then we start to come back to the down the wave, right? or up the wave, depending on how you look at the frequency, I guess. And we're realizing that it's okay to chase some people. We actually have to chase some people, but we can't blame the police um, for when bad things happen during the pursuit, unless the police are directly responsible. For everybody out there that says, well, the police are responsible because you started the chase. When we're chasing the person that has murdered your mother or your father or raped your daughter, do you really want us to just let them go or do you want us to chase them down? understand that everybody has a desire to see the chase happen sometimes to see the criminal caught we can't control all the circumstances we have to use best judgment um i'm glad to see that people are chasing we do need to have uh some harsher penalties for the people who run from the police and not just when bad things happen uh you know people need to realize that when law enforcement says stop you're under arrest whatever we say we turn on the lights we're trying to get a hold of you because you've committed a crime or we have probable cause to believe that you have that you need to stop that running from the police in and of itself is a crime and should be punished more harshly uh not just when sadly other people are impacted uh by some side effect of the chase and, and you know you talk about um the chase itself the you know the danger involved with that but even with non-pursuits, you still don't necessarily, I mean, it does, doesn't necessarily guarantee that the suspect is going to be driving at a safe speed, um, isn't going to be driving recklessly. And, and it, it is, uh, you know, balancing that idea of like, if you could stop that individual for possibly 
being involved in a, in an accident if he wasn't pursued, you know, by crashing into someone because he's he's speeding just because he's, he he wants to get away. Period. It doesn't matter if if he feels the police are behind him or not. Um, yeah, I, I, it is a. I think you know, it is a kind of a puzzle too to to figure out the right policy for it. Yeah, finding that balance. And when we mm-hmm. had when we had COVID and there was no no law um, no traffic enforcement, yeah. people out here going 100, 110 miles an hour. They're causing accidents and they're killing people and we're not pursuing them. They're just irresponsible. So yeah, it's definitely a balancing act that we're, it's going to take us years uh, and back and forth and study to figure out what that proper balance and controls are. But I still feel there's harsher laws, harsher punishments uh, should be part of that solution. Moving to our next story. Uh, This is out of Connecticut where um, body camera video captured um, a Hence, uh, 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 actually, you know, kind of dangerous scene um, where uh, Connecticut state troopers um, rescued a woman who was hanging on the side of a bridge, a, a woman in distress. Um, a, the body camera footage shows uh, one trooper having to climb over a safety fence to get on the other side of the bridge in order to make sure that woman wouldn't drop and basically set it up so that uh, her colleagues on the other side of the bridge were able to um, she the woman was able to climb up and they were able to get her and get her um, to safety on the other side. Um, you know, I, we, we've we've seen these videos before. This one um, in particular, I thought was a, a little harrowing only because um, you had the safety fence of having to climb over that. Um, and, and there being such a barrier to um, safe ground um, and, and not knowing what the individual on the other side of the bridge was was going to do in that case. Yeah, and suicides are always dangerous and scary because if they if the person's decided they're going to die, um, you know, what's the punishment for taking somebody with them? Unless they feel some remorse or moral obligation not to, then then they are definitely a danger to the people trying to save them. Um, in this case, you're talking about 100 feet up. That's the equivalent of 10 stories. Um, and, and says this woman was sitting on a five-inch ledge. Yeah. I don't know about you. My foot didn't fit on five inches. That's, that's, that's nothing. That, that's a bump on a wall. Um, you, you know, kudos to these officers that risked their lives and did what they needed to do to save this woman. Um, it, it's an unfortunate circumstance when people do want to commit suicide i like that in our article we do uh, include information for contacting suicide help prevention um it's a shame and so our listeners know a lot of times uh, the video that we're using is something that's been posted primarily on on another server youtube vimeo something else and if they take it down we don't have any control over that we still have the article up um so just keep that in mind if you ever come to our site and and we've mentioned a video and the video is no longer available. That ain't up to us. Right. Good, good point. Good point. Um, moving to our next story. Uh, this is out of San Francisco and um, an interesting measure that was, is going to be on their ballot in March. Um, voters in the city will be able to, to decide um, if uh to, to have minimum levels set for the police department staffing and also potentially uh, this bill could, um, excuse me, this measure could potentially raise money um, to help pay for uh, officer recruitment and retention. Um, 
I, I, I'm certainly going to keep my eye on this. I, I'll be I'll be curious to see, um, especially in San Francisco, where um, the city is definitely struggling um, w with violent crime and, and other issues along those lines. How um, how voters um, voters decide on on this when it when it comes to, to staffing? It'll be interesting, and I think it's 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 worth noting that how. Look, if, if, if you ask law-abiding citizens, do you want more law enforcement on the street? They say absolutely yes. If you ask them if they're willing to pay greater taxes for it, you don't get as many enthusiastic yes answers. Um, it, it, in San Francisco particularly, where they already have a high per capita law enforcement presence, right? And this included in the article that we're discussing. It's much higher than other cities. Um, it's... You have to wonder what's going on in the city that they already have this high per capita police presence and the crime rates are still going up. It might have something to do with the city's other laws and permissiveness and empowerments of criminals or drug addicts or whatever. Um, it, it, I love the idea of the minimal staffing, but I don't think that's the solution in San Francisco. I think they're going to have to look at what they're actually empowering that is against law enforcement and work against that to to let the law enforcement that is there in such great numbers already be more effective. I right. did that make sense, Joe? I mean, I don't know if I twisted I, my words wrong, but I, I, I yeah, I, I and and correct me if I'm wrong here. It, it sounds like you're saying too is that it, whether it, the public the the voters there feel that it's it, it's a it's a matter of numbers, police numbers, or it's a matter of really the um the people in charge deciding what it is that they're going to you know the the laws that uh i don't want to say that they want to enforce but you know how how they want well but uh, it is their city to be but but it is you're absolutely right what they want to enforce you know the city the the, the politicians there make the, the decisions on the laws and what's acceptable behavior and what's not and what the to the city will tolerate and what they won't and quite often they empower things that then law enforcement has to deal with the the fallout. And if if you're doubling the fallout and you don't double the police force, you end up with a higher crime rate. That doesn't mean charge more taxes and double the police force. It means change the laws on what you allow and what your the permissiveness of your society is, so that law enforcement doesn't have as much fallout to deal with. They don't have to clean up as much of your mess. Right. Right. And, and when you when you hear about um, some of the issues that um, San Francisco faces, um, you'll you'll hear, hear um, the issues of uh, the drug problem there, particularly in the Tenderloin uh, district and um, homelessness homelessness throughout um, and um, how it, 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 you know, a lot of those uh, issues are contributing to other crimes uh, throughout. Um, I know it's something that they're particularly concerned about, especially when it comes to um, tourism and, and and business that way, as far as being a, an, an attractive destination. Yeah, and San Francisco is not the only city that has that challenge. We'll see how they the example they set affects the rest of California and other big cities. Moving on, we go to uh, the East Coast, um, Florida, where um, a, a woman tried to uh, get rid of uh, 
the evidence of of her alleged wrongdoing in a rather interesting way. Um, a, a woman uh, was um, caught at uh, at a Walmart uh, in Miami um, trying to use uh, counterfeit currency. Um, when she was detained, uh, she decided that she needed to get rid of the evidence, so she immediately decided to uh, eat it. And I'm guessing that probably didn't really cut it as as far as um, getting her uh, released uh, from custody. I don't know how she thought she could eat. You know, the article says about two hundred dollars worth of counterfeit bills. Um, if if my memory serves me correctly, and I could be wrong, because I haven't had to look at this in quite some time, the average counterfeit bill is either a 20 or a hundred. Um, occasionally you get the fifties, but $200 worth is either two hundred dollar bills or 10, $20 bills or some significant mix thereof. Now, look, every little kid in every elementary school in the world has put a wad of paper in their mouth and chewed it up until it was a spit spoke wad. So they could try to shoot it through a straw at some friend, but that's different. If you think about trying to eat a six inch by whatever piece of paper covered with ink. How fast can you actually get that in? And, and I'm surprised she didn't choke. I'm surprised they didn't have to give her the Heimlich maneuver. Um, this is definitely, uh, I think, one of those dumb criminal stories. Like, I don't know. I guess she's been in the system enough. She knew what the punishment was coming. And she went, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Let me get rid of the evidence. I, I think if she had been successful, I'd say... On Fourth of July, instead of the hot dog eating contest, it's it's counterfeit currency, right there, <laughs> right there on, uh, in Coney Island. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, because I, I I granted, I'm sure the the money wasn't made out of out of what dollar bills are made out of today, but I, I it's still uh, I'm gagging right now thinking about about trying to swallow uh, I, I, a and, dollar and- bill. I can't imagine, I mean, especially not public money. And I admittedly, this is counterfeit. Oh, okay. So it, it could have been sterile yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. That's even worse. Okay. Anyway. Thanks. All right. Well, moving on to our next story. Um, and this is in Michigan, uh, where uh, this is uh, at least the second occurrence of something like this happened in the last few months, which is a um, a 12-year-old boy uh getting on a uh, unlocked uh, forklift and leading police on a, on a slow speed chase. Um, I, this, I believe a few months back in Pennsylvania, something similar had also happened where um, a young boy had gotten onto a forklift and driven it off. I, I just want to know why these forklifts are just sitting around construction sites. Um with the unlocked and with the keys there ready to to be operated. You know, I'm going to, I don't care. This is a really <laughs> bad thing to say. I don't care why your forklift is parked there with the keys in it. I don't care if you leave your truck in the driveway with the keys in the ignition. The truck doesn't steal itself. I want to know why this 12 year old boy thought it was okay to go get in something he obviously knew he didn't own and then go on a ride running from the police, which he obviously knew was wrong, and doing damage to, what, 10 parked cars along the way with this yes. probably 10, 20,000-pound forklift minimum. I don't care if he's going slow. I don't care if he's 12. Who's paying for all the damage? 
And what is his home life like that his parents have raised him to be a 12-year-old that says, hey, this is a good idea. Let me go out here and do this. That sounds like fun. No, it's, you know, there's, there's throughout society's history that I can remember, we've always tried to remove the temptation. We've always tried to prevent the crime by making sure the criminal couldn't have access. Well, how about if we just start punishing the criminal for criminal acts and stop making everybody else responsible for the criminal's behavior? Sorry, I didn't mean to, nope. I didn't mean to take this, you know, this family's got to deal with it. There's there's 10, 10 cars out there that are damaged and somebody's insurance is paying for it. But seriously, why? I don't know. The, I'll, 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 I'll get off the soapbox. The draw of, of, of a young boy to heavy machinery. You, you can't, you can't break it no matter how well they're, they're raised. You can discipline it. That's None true. Of my, neither one of my sons would have dared to do that. <laughs> Neither one of them, because they, they would have known what would have happened when I got a hold of them. And I thankfully, won't yeah. myself on a recording. I, thankfully, my son, yeah, never got involved with that as well. Um, I'm not sure if he ever thought of it. I'm not even sure if he's actually ever really had that sort of, um, ever walked by a construction site and actually said, hey, you know what? I'd like to take a ride on one of those uh, those rigs. I think I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So, But there's a right way to do that. This is, yes. And look, this applies to everything. And I'm sorry, because I know this is one of those silly cases we're supposed to be talking about, but this is the same as, as the parents who don't secure their firearms properly, and then the kids get the guns, and they go out and they do something heinous or stupid, and then we turn around and we blame the guns, and we turn around and we blame the parents. Well, I, I blame the parents too, but I don't blame the parents for having a gun in the house. I blame the parents for not educating the kid and, and, and instilling in them the correct attitude about the firearms. But anyway, let's move on to our feel-good story so we can end this on a high note. Our last story comes out of South Carolina, where um, a South Carolina law enforcement division uh, agent made a really special visit to a fifth-grade boy who had um, painted a mural of a uh, canine who had been slain in um, an incident. Uh, where was that? Um, in uh, Charleston County. Um, and the agent was the canine's handler, um, and, um, he, he came to a visit because he, he basically wanted to tell the, tell the boy, thank you for, for the painting. And he went there and actually was able to go with the, uh, Char Charlton County, um, Sheriff's Department. They, uh, uh, brought canines and, and talked with the, the boy's classmates. But I, I, I just thought, but in, in both cases, the, what the boy did um, by memorializing um, the fallen canine and uh, what the agent did um, by visiting and, and, and telling the boy how important uh, that was and, and what it meant to him. So I want to, I love this as a fifth grader. So I'm assuming this is a 10 or 11 year old boy. We were just talking about a 12 year old that stole a forklift and did all kinds mm -hmm. of damage. Here's this kid. He's not much younger, a year or two off. And he honors uh, a fallen canine. And that's that's what um, kind of spurred this was this canine um, was killed in September. And uh, this boy wanted to honor him, wanted to honor the dog. So he, he painted this mural and that really touched canine handler, as you can anybody out here who's ever loved a dog can imagine. Um, so he goes to honor that. Th this is the shining example of the difference of parenting and education 
um, of family culture that this this fifth grader paints a mural, something beautiful to honor a fallen police canine, um, something to be honored versus, hey, let me go joy riding on a stolen forklift. That the, the, the difference is in the home and in the hearts. And, and this is the one that gives you hope. This is the one that lets you look at that that fifth grade generation and go, maybe there's a few good ones in there and they're not going to turn out so bad after all. Yeah. And, and, and again, it just, it, um, my favorite story of the week. And, um, I, I'm glad that, you know, kind of on both sides of it, um, everyone, the boy let the law enforcement know how he felt and what was important. And the agent did the same thing, you know, that, that uh, uh, that painting could have just gone um, sort of uncommented on, you know, been nice, yeah. but, you know, not not to have or, or even it might have just been like, you know, uh, something on social media and say, hey, thank you. But to, to go there and and make a visit out of it, um, you know, kudos to that agent. I, I'm glad he 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 reached out because that's so important. Um, what he's he's probably. um instilling again more into that boy who already had it you know just just fanning the flames inside of him um hopefully for good i, I guess that's a little um highfalutin coming for me but hey you know it, it's it's um I, I won't say you're romanticizing it but but the, the really cool I, I agree with you 100 and the real cool part about this is that this young man the fifth grader joel he didn't paint it just so he could get recognition he painted right. it to honor the canine so the recognition was a happy surprise, like you said, and that the fact that that agent, um, and we keep saying agent, so this is a, a, a statewide South Carolina um, agency that this man worked for, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division agent, Hutton, Hunton, excuse me, um, went out of his way to go in and, and express his appreciation, absolutely has an impact on that fifth grader, like you said, but it also has an impact on every other child around yes. and adults that have opened their eyes and their hearts to the fact that law enforcement's not a bunch of power hungry, mad, racist, whatever, that we're human beings too. And and, and this is uh this goes a long way towards building community relations. And it didn't take much to do it. I I, I tip my hat to both. Absolutely. Well that does it for this week. Uh thanks again for listening to us i hope everyone's uh kind of back into the swing of things after thanksgiving um and uh getting kind of getting ready to finish out the year yeah we got uh as this is recorded 24 days to christmas Woo! <laughs> there you go so well right, thanks let's do this again next week absolutely everyone stay safe thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup please remember the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.